And welcome in to a news-packed edition of Newsmax Daily for Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Tony Marino. It's the 38th Wednesday of the month, which means we have 14 more to go in the year. Only 14 more weeks. Today is all about food, and why not? It is time for a midweek break on Hump Day, right? September 20th, National Pepperoni Pizza Day, devoted to celebrating one of the country's most popular and beloved foods, the pepperoni pizza. You may recall Cheese Pizza Day was earlier this month, and if you heard that Newsmax Daily, then you know not only do I, like most people, love pizza, but my family has a deep historical connection to it. Today is also National Fried Rice Day, established in 2018 by Benihana Restaurants. History shows fried rice first started showing up in America around 1860 in San Francisco, California's Chinatown. Pizza didn't come to America until after the turn of the century in New York, and pepperoni pizza didn't show up until many years after that. New York and San Fran, two of the most amazing cities in the country. So much history, so much culture, so much great food. It is really sad to see what's happening in both of those cities, as well as other great cities around the country. The crime, the homelessness, the lack of respect for anything. And speaking of New York, President Biden, whose policies, many believe, has contributed to the erosion of the Big Apple, remains in New York after addressing the U.N. General Assembly on Tuesday. We need to continue tackling the challenge that most affect people's lives, from conflict to climate change to corruption and beyond. Let's get a recap from Newsmax, Washington correspondent James Rosen. By most accounts, President Biden's address to the U.N. General Assembly, his third, all of 28 minutes in length, was listlessly delivered and cut little new ground in terms of substance. The president led off with an account of his recent trip to Vietnam, a demonstration he said that our history need not dictate our future, that, quote, adversaries can become partners. He discussed Haiti, Africa, counter-narcotics and other subjects before turning 23 minutes in more than halfway through his remarks to his lead-off topic of last year, the Russian assault on Ukraine. Russia believes that the world will grow weary and allow it to brutalize Ukraine without consequence. But I ask you this, if we abandon the core principles of the United States to appease an aggressor, can any member state in this body feel confident that they are protected. If we allow Ukraine to be carved up, is the independence of any nation secure? Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky was there, of course, and also addressed the assembly, but notably missing from Biden's speech were UK Prime Minister Rishi Shunak, his new best friend, and French President Emmanuel Macron, two of our greatest allies, as well as several other world leaders. Senior administration officials from across the interagency conducted a background briefing with reporters last night previewing today's speech. I asked those officials about the concerns spreading even within the Democratic Party here at home that President Biden is no longer an effective advocate for his own point of view, even in some cases where arguably the facts are on his side, such as in relation to various aspects of the economy and what gave them confidence that President Biden at this stage of his career could move the leaders in this room and the larger global audience. The officials just encouraged me to watch the speech and said that the leaders in that room will hear what they think is a pretty compelling vision. 
The president's address was interrupted by applause once. Newsmax senior correspondent James Rosen in Washington. Former President Donald Trump took to his truth social media platform, of course, right after the speech to mock President Biden, saying Biden just finished his surrender speech at the United Nations and nobody, despite all we give them, showed up. No respect for America any longer. Unquote. Today, President Biden has bilateral meetings in New York with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who has not been a fan of Joe Biden or his administration's policies towards Israel. And he, President Biden, is also meeting with the president of Brazil. Down the street from the U.N. at Newsmax World Headquarters in New York City is host Rob Schmidt. All right, it's about to get very real for our corrupt president. House Oversight holding the first Biden impeachment inquiry hearing. It's going to happen next week with tons of evidence combined with just a little bit of common sense. Anybody with a brain knows that Joe Biden was at the helm of this scheme to pull in money from all over the world, including adversarial nations. But, of course, the media in this country is fake. It is partisan and demanding rock-solid evidence of Joe Biden actually receiving the money into his account. That's the bar now. Until they see the dollars actually went into his account, there's no story here and there's no evidence. That's really what they're trying to sell the American people. And so James Comer intends to subpoena Hunter Biden and James Biden's personal bank records. Now, we know they got millions from China, Ukraine, Romania. We know how this scheme worked. Now we just need to actually see how much really went to the big guy. Hunter claims it was half in a text message. That would probably make sense. Joe is the one that earned all the money. The president asked about the inquiry this week. Here is how he responded. Yeah, Republicans are going to need plenty of luck proving the most obvious corruption scandal in political history, which has already elicited massive amounts of evidence. The September 28th hearing is expected to feature appearances from experts on financial crimes, tax evasion, racketeering, and the Foreign Agent Registration Act, FARA, among many other topics. Donald Trump Jr. joins us now to talk about this. Good to have you back on, sir. Can you believe there's still no evidence that Joe Biden is corrupt? I heard that just uh, just today on CNN. There's there's just no evidence. Well, you know, other than numerous eyewitnesses, other than the emails, other than the bank accounts, other than I wonder why young grandchildren are getting money from the Chinese government. I mean, you know, (laughs) minor evidence like that, Rob, but, you know, that's how it works. Uh, You know, the the press secretary can say something so baseless and that becomes the marching order for the Democrat media regime, uh, for the giants at big tech to control the information that's out there. Then we also deal with a problem that, you know, unfortunately, the Democrats don't have to deal with. There's a bunch of weak Republicans who are too afraid to actually follow the evidence, which is you know, outstanding. I mean, the same Republicans who had no problem looking into total baseless allegations of Russia, Russia, Russia for three years, they looked at that full force. And I'm talking about the Republicans, not just the Democrats who made it all up, but the Republicans who went into that. That's the difference between the games that we're playing as Republicans Mm -hmm. and as Democrats. We have to stop playing t-ball while they're playing hardball if we ever going to actually move anything forward. The Mitt Romneys, you know, when, when they sit there and say that this is ridiculous to impeach based on this, just disappear, Romney. I wish you would have disappeared 20 years from American politics. Please disappear now. It's, it's, it's just it's so sad to watch how they pander. Rob Schmidt with Don Jr. on Democrats and the media insisting there is no evidence. 
They're not even willing to ask the question, are our policies, perhaps in Ukraine, where we're at the verge of you know, a nuclear war, according to the Biden administration itself, the closest we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 1960s to nuclear war, are our policies there where we're fighting a proxy war and we know about a boots on the ground war as well. But, you know, that whistleblower was, you know, locked away, never to be heard from again very quickly. Rob, Are our policies there that could get us into war being dictated because maybe they have more on Joe Biden? The fact that our press, you know, the the if Trump tweeted uh, Merry Christmas, it was a bigger scandal than Watergate every time. It's bigger than war. Everything was bigger than Watergate. They're not even asking the question. They're not willing to ask the question if arguably by far the most corrupt person, perhaps in the history of U.S. politics, but certainly uh, in the Senate or the presidency, is influenced uh, and getting us into a war. They're not even asking the question, which is mind boggling to me. Donald Trump Jr. on Rob Schmidt tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on Newsmax. Meanwhile, back in Washington... I'm not voting for a continuing resolution. I'm not voting to continue the failure and the waste and the corruption and the election interference, and in some cases, the efforts that could lead this country into World War III. I oppose the CR authored by my friend and colleague from Florida, Byron Donalds. The Donald CR continues the Ukraine policy negotiated by Speaker Pelosi and Mitch McConnell in the omnibus that conservatives were against. Congressman Gates is right. The United States is a trillion dollars more in debt since June. America's debt is now $33 trillion. So what's Washington's politicians answer to all this? Let's do another CR. The American people deserve better than that. Here now to explain why he's against the latest CR is the Florida congressman himself, Matt Gates. Uh, congressman, great, great job. I, I mean, I love it. Love what you did. But before you jump in, Byron Donalds, watch. I would challenge my colleague from Florida to create a coalition that tries to actually get a victory for the American people. If he wants to have a personal thing with me going back and forth, he's entitled to. But I don't care about that foolishness. I want to win. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So is winning, staying open, spending more, is that really winning, Congressman? Let, let me assure you, I have no personal issue with Byron Donalds. I did oppose the continuing resolution because I would oppose any continuing resolution. I would oppose the greatest continuing resolution ever drafted if you have to cast one vote up or down on funding all of these disparate agencies of government from the Department of Education to the Department of Labor to our troops and our veterans. So this isn't personal, but we have to now realize that Kevin McCarthy has put us behind the eight ball. We have had control of the House of Representatives for eight months, and we did not stay on schedule moving spending bills to advance our priorities and constrain the out-of-control actions of this Biden regime. And because we haven't done that, because we've failed, now everyone's back's against the wall. So the, the way out of that is not to revert to the old corrupt muscle memory of Washington, D.C. with continuing resolutions. The way forward is to have single subject spending bills, and we should start tonight. We should cancel every weekend. We should work 12-hour days if necessary. And then we have to deal with the leaders who put us in this bad spot in the first place. Stop making so much damn sense, Congressman. You're right. You're 100% right. You hold the checkbook. Stop writing the checks just because you don't want to, ooh, the government's going to shut down. The American people don't really care. I mean, politicians care because they want their 
paychecks. But there's ways to work around a shutdown in government and still get what you want, Congress. You're right. Stay, stay strong, in my opinion, folks. I'm just here to do an opinion show right here. I agree with you. That's Eric Bowling, host of The Balance with Florida Congressman Matt Gates, And Carl Higby spoke with Senator Rand Paul, who was also no fan of the continuing resolution and has been shouting literally from rooftops about the nation's debt for many years. The, the issue is, is that, yeah, OK, we shut down the government, a bunch of people who honestly live paycheck to paycheck like I did when I was an E5 in the military. They don't get a paycheck for three or four weeks. They miss a couple payments, but then they get back pay for essentially a vacation. Can we do something in the middle that's a little bit more rational to make this happen? I think the goal should never be to shut the government down, but it's also irresponsible to keep it open, you know, and keep the status quo and keep spending $1.5 trillion more than comes in. What I've advocated for is, is that we continue to keep government open. We have a continuing resolution, but we basically just provide for the essentials, and that would be the military, Social Security, Medicare, and we have enough money for that. We just don't have enough money for most of the rest of government. And so what we would do is downsize. About 70% of government we have money for. Let's decide the 70% that we actually have to have and keep that 70% open and start trimming everywhere else. If you did it to my druthers, though, I would actually put forward a plan I have for several years now to cut 5% of spending across the board. You do it over a five-year period and you balance your budget. Everybody gets a little bit. And almost every business person I've ever talked to says that they could cut 5% out of their budget without cutting uh, workers or salaries or anything. They could really cut 5% just in waste. So I think it could be done, but somebody's got to get started. We just keep putting it off. And, you know, we've known for over a decade, Social Security and Medicare, we're running out of money. And now it's become a crisis. And yet still nobody wants to talk about it or do anything about it. We're still giving $12 million to gender study programs in Pakistan. So, Senator Rand Paul, you're a breath of fresh air, sir. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul on Frontline with Carl Higby. As I mentioned, Senator Paul has long been an advocate, a staunch advocate of cutting spending. And as we also know, that means eliminating some things we may not necessarily want to eliminate. However... He is also an advocate for raising the ages of Medicare and Social Security, which I am absolutely not a fan of. And when you hear Democrats saying Republicans want to cut your Social Security and cut your Medicare, that's basically what they're talking about. Although he's not talking about cutting it, he's just talking about raising the age. Medicare is a giant disaster and needs a serious restructuring. The age for full Social Security is now 67. Maybe, maybe someday raise it to 68. Rand Paul wants to raise it to 70 over the course of years. Carl mentioned the money for gender studies. We have given more than $100 billion to Ukraine, as important as that is, $100 billion. I do not want to hear about cutting services to Americans or raising the age of Social Security while giving $100 plus billion to Ukraine. We give six or seven billion a year to Africa. A few months ago, President Biden proposed giving billions of dollars to the World Democracy Organization. We give billions of dollars to lots of other countries. No, no, and no, Senator. We should not raise Social Security and the age for Medicare. I have said this over and over, and I would think the majority of Americans agree. 
Okay. Carl also mentioned the U.S. fighter jet that went missing. I've been talking about it the last couple of days. The country seems to be captivated with the story. Everywhere I go, people are talking about it. Who, how, why. There are a lot of questions being asked by everyone, including Chris Salcedo. The U.S. Marine Corps lost an $80 million aircraft. It's rumored to be the most sophisticated aircraft on the planet. Yet rumors are swirling on why this aircraft crashed and why a military focused on woke indoctrination rather than defense and warfighting couldn't find it for nearly a day after it went down. The F-35, a microcosm for all that is wrong with America's government. That's my focus in today's preamble. Let's begin with what we know. The pilot of the doomed F-35 aircraft punched out for an unknown reason. The military hasn't finished making up a story to tell the general public yet. That's concerning on multiple levels. The debris field has been located approximately two hours northeast of Joint Base Charleston in South Carolina. Apparently, the U.S. military couldn't track their plane, which cost in excess of $80 million to build. The transponder wasn't functioning. Let that sink in for a moment. An aircraft that is rumored to be the most sophisticated warplane on the planet had a piece of equipment that is found on every commercial aircraft that simply didn't work. Lack of transparency from our ever-secretive and increasingly dishonest government has led to speculation online. One poster theorizing that the F-35 plane was hacked. Is our military so focused on woke that that could actually happen? We'll ask our military panel coming up in the show. Some history on the F-35. The idea was simple. One aircraft adapted to meet all the needs of the various branches of the service, the Air Force, Marines, and Navy. But it's been those adaptations that have plagued the F-35 program since its inception. The F-35 isn't keeping up with combat readiness goals. The F-35 has experienced various technical problems over the years. The troubled F-35 Lightning II family of fighter jets is struggling to stay in the air. One of many such reports finds that the F-35 isn't keeping up with combat readiness goals and fell behind previous records in 2022. The taxpayers are funding our nation's most costly, the costliest weapons program that can't compete with older and less expensive combat aircraft in terms of availability to fly, you know, actual missions. The Marines need the jet to hover like a Harrier. The Navy needs a bigger wingspan to land on an aircraft carrier. The F-35 can't do that without that big air wingspan. And the Air Force needs a jet that can guarantee air superiority for decades to come. This jet can't do all of that. But Washington, in an effort to stick a round peg into a square hole, says there's no amount of your money that they won't waste to make all of this work. Chris Salcedo, host of the Chris Salcedo Show, who spoke with retired Brigadier General Blaine Holt and Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. This is an aircraft designed around political expedience, not military requirements. Uh, the reason that continues to, to, to prosper is because they've made sure that every member of Congress has something produced for this aircraft in this district. So as Blaine said, uh, this thing has immense code. Uh, if it was hacked, you have to go through millions of lines of code. And oh, by the way, another feature, Chris, if you can call it a feature, if you don't plug it in to the internet and let it figure out what's wrong, it'll shut itself down in the middle of combat. So this is not the best we can do. The F-22 is a much better choice. The F-15X, uh, 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 the new one that Boeing's producing, is better. Uh, we have options which are effective. Blaine probably knows better than me. He was an Air Force pilot. He flew a, a, a tremendous airplane, the C-17, which I'm, I'm very happy with. It got me in and out of combat several times. 
But we're not <laughs> pursuing excellence. We're pursuing political expedience, which benefit uh, politicians and the international community with no regard to what we need militarily. Yeah. It's a very dangerous thing. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer on Newsmax. The Marine Corps has now ordered a safety stand-down for the aircraft this after three recent incidents. In a statement, military officials said commanders will be meeting with Marines on the fundamentals of safe flight operations, ground safety, maintenance, and flight procedures. Which sounds kind of like they're not sure the pilots are really well-trained enough, or they need more training, which is raising a lot more questions. This is the U.S. military, people. How comforting is that? And the new Senate dress code that I discussed in depth yesterday, also trending. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee spoke about it with Eric Bowling. All right, Mike. So here, here's the issue. This, this is the U.S. The United States Senator um, who has now gotten uh, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, to relax the dress code on the Senate floor to allow the ridiculous costumes he's wearing, hoodies, basketball shorts, sneakers. What's happened? What do you think, Mike? You know, I don't know why I didn't just wear pajamas and why everyone else doesn't. I thought it was hilarious when Senator Susan Collins, who's 70 years old, said she's going to wear a bikini the next day. <laughs> well, first I would say, please don't, Senator Collins. Don't do it. But this is absurd. You run for United States Senate, you ought to dress the part. And you shouldn't be dressed like a junior high gamer who's, uh, you know, sitting in the basement eating a bag of Cheetos and playing PlayStation. And that's what it, it appears like John Fetterman thinks he's doing. Look, I, I understand there's sort of a new casual code about life today. A lot of places have casual Friday. But grown men typically, to work at least, don't wear hoodies, basketball shorts, and sneakers, and, uh, you know, kind of slop around. It just doesn't look becoming. And I think he ought to put his big boy pants on and realize he ran for the U.S. Senate, not for student council in the seventh grade. Yeah. And, Mike, forget the um, absurdity of, of the way he looks for his constituents in Pennsylvania. You know, when you're outside looking in going, what are they doing over there in America? That, that's in the United States senator dressed like that on the floor of the Senate. It doesn't show us in a good light around the world, does it? No, not really. It just shows a lack of respect for the institution itself and uh, any real sense of decorum. I'm surprised that the senators are going along with this. I guess some of them feel like maybe they can change their attire. Mitt Romney, I hear, is going to be wearing flip-flops because nobody's better at flip-flops than Mitt Romney. So maybe there's a sentiment among some of the senators that they can finally start dressing the part. Former Gov and GOP presidential candidate Mike Huckabee bringing the yucks as always. In Washington today, Attorney General Merrick Garland is testifying before House Republicans who claim he has weaponized his Justice Department. The Attorney General's prepared statement will tell the committee that, quote, I am not the president's lawyer and he's not Congress's prosecutor and that the Justice Department works for the American people. So you'll be hearing about that, I would imagine, throughout the day and tonight on Newsmax. Also, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell speaking today as we find out if they will raise interest rates again or not. So definitely keep an eye on the stock markets or maybe don't keep an eye on the stock markets and your 401k. The markets were well into the green this morning with the Dow up about 100 points. So we'll see what, what uh, happens. 
And don't forget, Newsmax is available on most major cable systems, including AT&T, Comcast, Xfinity, Mediacom, Spectrum, Verizon, Fios, and many others, as well as most streaming platforms like Amazon, Roku, Pluto, Apple TV, and more. Thank you, as always, for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your day or night, and keep on fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute. Every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.